Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity. Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to the official League An Uber Eats podcast in English. It's Le Beau Jeu. Just like in most families, Ligue 1's Boxing Day was all about upsets and raucous singing. Coming up, Lance stunned PSG and Franck Ayres gives it some welly on the pitch. Clermont clock Lyon, we talk OM, Ren, Nice and of course, there's more inside in the brain as Cypress Hill might have it with Deja Who. <laughs> Don't forget, you can catch up with us on Twitter at Ligue 1 World or, sorry, Ligue 1, I've gone very French there, Ligue 1 World or at Ligue 1 underscore ENG. You can email us your thoughts and comments at Ligue 1 Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can see all the video highlights of every single match of every single round of the season on Ligue1.com, our official website. And please don't forget to like us, subscribe. Follow us, recommend us, um, pretty much uh, do whatever you like that's positive for us on every single social media platform out there. So yes, we're back, just as Lionel Messi is today. I'm in the uh, presenter's seat, Ian Holyman, and uh, Messi getting back to the Comte des just along the road from me. But unlike the freshly crowned World Cup winner, there won't be a battery of tests for us to see just how much weight we've put on over the festive period. Speaking of heavyweights, I'm joined today by Andreas Evagora and Angus Tarod. Bon année, gentlemen. Bon année. Hello. Bon année to everyone. Thanks very much, Ian. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. And uh, hope everything goes well for everybody in the future today. Well, it's certainly not gone very well for Paris Saint-Germain <laughs> this, in the last couple of days. Messi is back. They're not quite in training yet, which can only be good news as PSG seem to need him. The ball from Fofana, a chance now for Sotoka. Stretch forward. Sotoka crossing far post, space at the far post as well. Donnarumma! It's been turned in by Frankowski! Lance, strike the early blow! Really good football from Lance. Fofana and then Sotoka accelerating the play through the midfield. Really excellent pass from Sotoka to pick out Aydara. His cross was dangerous, not dealt with by Donnarumma. No credit to Premislav Frankowski for keeping his call to steer this shot home. Mbappe. Soles cross is a good one, Mukiele far post, turning it back in, there it is! Paris Saint-Germain drawing level immediately through Hugo Ekatike. Well, Lance kicking themselves, but it was an opportunist strike, they're complaining. Now there was a foul, let's have a look again. Searching pass from Carlos Soler, Mukiele does well here, turns the ball back across. Is there a foul from uh, Ekatike on the goalkeeper? I'm not sure there is. Looks like Katika gets there at the same time as uh, Pri Somba. It's about interpretation as well, isn't it? Does Somba have the ball in both hands, in which case the, the opposition player is not allowed to come in and kick the ball out? The goal stands. It's no foul from Katika. It is a goal and a really, really important one. Only Hugo Katika's second. Paris Saint-Germain goal. Now, Mbappe at the other end. Nicely done. Mbappe, Verratti. It was Carlos Soler trying to squeeze the pass through to Kylian Mbappe. Lance come away with it. Fofana trying to play Opender in. Lois Opender in the clear. Marquinhos is coming back. Opender goes inside. Marquinhos! He beats Donnarumma and Lance the back in front. Electric scenes inside this stadium. Wonderful play by Seco Fofana to start the attack and play the ball through to Lois Openda, but the Belgians still had so much to do. 
First, he had to get away from Marquinhos. Upenda jinking inside Marquinhos, and then he beats Donnarumma. A touch of fortune about the finish, but it's uh, a breathtaking goal from Lens. Here's Danilo. Fabian Ruiz has to be careful. Lens have got it back. Upenda with the back heel! And Claude Maurice makes it three! What a start to the second half! And PSG really are in trouble now. Brilliant from Openda. Ruiz, who lost the ball, perhaps guilty of ball watching after that. Claude Maurice, who had a great chance in the first half, this time scores his first Lance goal. The ball from Marco Verratti, headed into the middle, and surely no! Unbelievable! Brice Samba with a save on his goal line from point-blank range. And that's Al Khalifi, the PSG president. And Luis Campos sitting there shaking their heads. How did that not go in? Matt Spiro on comms then for Franck Ez's 100th match in charge. And Lance made it uh, 90 minutes to remember as well for the coach who just keeps on surprising his side of reduced their arrears to just four points behind the league leaders. And uh, I said that uh, Ez keeps on surprising. His uh, post-match singing as well is, is a first. Out there on the pitch, he's apologised since for uh, joining the, the fans' chants, which basically says uh, something along the lines of, we've just mashed up PSG. Christophe Galtier, slightly worryingly, admitting that PSG totally lost their organisation. No Messi... No Neymar, Mbappe not in the sort of form that he, he perhaps showed at the World Cup, maybe looking a little bit tired. Andreas, what happened? Well, first, um, congratulations to Lens. They, they played brilliantly. They absolutely deserved the win. In a way, it was quite predictable. It was, it was high action. It was intense, great atmosphere. Uh, PSG couldn't deal with the high uh, Lens press. Um, I saw Lons play the game before. I commentated the game against Nice, and for the first forty-five minutes, they were brilliant. So I wasn't too surprised that they um, that they outmaneuvered uh, PSG. The midfield was brilliant, um, especially Abdul Samed has had a couple of really good games for me. Who's just come from not quite from nowhere, but it's his first season at Lons, and he's been brilliant. What a bargain! Five million euros for the Ghanaian midfield player. Look out for him. Um, Ghana have got a good tradition, haven't they, of, of dynamic midfield players over the years with Essien and Apier and, and Montari. And, and he's a really good player, Abdul Samed, working with, with um, uh, Fafana in mid, midfield. So that's not a surprise that he was playing well. So first, congratulations to Lons. I think you were saying they were chicote. Is that the verb you were talking about? Which I've never actually heard that. I never heard that verb. I actually asked a couple of French people. Um, they hadn't heard it either. So well done, Ian, if you knew that word, chicote. I think it's uh, diced. I think it's actually diced. Oh, is that uh, what it means? Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Interestingly. But and as I said, Franquez has, has since, has since apologised for that yeah. one. But, um, but I mean, that, that, I mean that's long. But, but PSG, uh, I mean, to answer your question, they, they clearly didn't prepare very well. They're missing two of their best players. But for me, there's a, there's a bit of a, a problem with a balance in midfield. Um, and I think they're, they're lacking the sort of physicality. League guys are very physical league, you know, and I think Ruiz in midfield and Soleil, they, they, they're taking a bit of time to get used to that. Uh, it's not the first time PSG have bought players who are very skillful and can't quite deal with the physical side of, of, of league. I'm thinking of people like Rafinha, um, bit of an off night for, uh, for Kylian Mbappe, but look, it was the first defeat in 25 games, so we shouldn't panic. But worrying, nevertheless, and I, and I think they've they've got to muscle up a little bit in midfield. Uh, that was the problem, and and the, the centre backs, Ramos and, and Marquinhos were kind of out for and out muscled as well. That was a bit surprising. So yeah, some problems, but it's great that for the league in general, the, the gap is back to four points, uh, and PSG have got to dust themselves down and and um, play better next time. It's as simple as that. Yeah, as you mentioned, Andreas, so Fabian Ruiz, fourteen losses of possession, which is about 10 too many for a, for a midfielder required by, by PSG. Few questions then in, in midfield for Galtier to answer. Some some promising debuts as well, some promising youngsters coming through. Ismail Garbi, uh, who uh, there's a lot of hopes um, in him 
as far as PSG concerned, coming on for his debut. Warren Zaya Emery again getting some some time on the pitch. Of course, they've got El Shaddai Bichiabe, who's an absolute man. I was going to say man mountain of a defender. He's pretty much a boy mountain of a, of a defender uh, who's going to come through. And interestingly, PSG saying that they don't want to go out, uh, Galtier saying they don't want to go out and buy a new central defender because they don't want to block his route to the to to the to the first team. Having said that, they are still talking about extending Sergio Ramos's contract. Let's see how that pans out. He may well be heading off to join uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, a huge, huge, huge amount of money in in Saudi Arabia. But Angus, as, as Andre has pointed out, four points between the top two title race. And just think what it could have been if um, they hadn't drawn the game before that. It would have been really, really interesting. I think that Frank Hayes, he said after the game, he apologised, yes, but at the same time, it's not, you know, I was going to say it's not often that you beat Paris Saint-Germain, but Frank Hayes did that to Thomas Tuchel's uh, Paris Saint-Germain a couple of years ago, if I remember as well, winning 1-0. So that that happens. And Paris Saint-Germain, they they have lost against the team that started at kickoff in second place uh, a couple of times in recent years, although... It's dangerous to make any kind of real links to that because it was a different coach. Uh, the last couple of times it happened in 2018 uh, against Leon, and then after that against Lille, and um, Thomas Tuchel was in charge. So different system, but it does make it rather more interesting when uh, when Paris Saint Germain don't uh, dominate everything. And I think you have to say that Christophe Galtier had to say that um, they were disorganized organizationally. But I think that's more to do with the brilliant organization that Lance put out and Seiko Fafana once again I mean he he reminds me a little bit in terms of his stature of a Matt Letizia at Southampton he's a huge fish in a small pond and he literally just he picks up that team week after week and just drags them forward and we saw that in the way that he helped create the goals he the high press that uh, Andreas was talking about he was leading it it's they're just brilliant I mean Frank Hayes might not have been instrumental in them being promoted to the top fight but Goodness me, he's been instrumental in not just making them survive, but they've been challenging for Europe every season since they they came in. It is an astonishing Cinderella rise for Lons once again for a team that used to be one of the best in the land and is now getting back to being that. Yeah, I think I think we have to start. We have to stop talking about them as, as being surprise packages, and they're they're really now just very much established packages at the the business end of the the league and Uber Eats table. You mentioned. Frank Ayres, he seemed, does seem to have a bit of an Indian sign, actually, over the big teams. He's won four of his five games as Lance coach against the reigning champions, which is a tremendous, a tremendous return. I think as well, uh, a shout out for Luis Openda. Again, eighth goal this season, the highest tally for a Belgian player in the top five European leagues this season, which is, uh, which is really quite something. And Angus, he's looking a very, very, very shrewd uh, bit of recruitment from Loss. He really is. I mean, he didn't figure very much at the World Cup, but he's been absolutely sensational for Loss. And what about that back heel as well for the the Claude Maurice? Got the, um, yeah, the Claude Maurice goal. Yeah, I got suddenly got confused. He was still at Nice there for a second. But um, yeah, I mean, that back heel, it absolutely sent the PhD defenders the wrong way completely. And suddenly Claude Maurice was on his own in front of goal and uh, Donnarumma had no chance. Wonderful player. A big, big win for Lance then to bring up the century for, for Frank Ayres. Not sure we'll be seeing him singing too much more. He, he did admit that his voice his voice isn't the best, but he certainly found the right words for his team. Now, moving on. Leon. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, dear, dear. A late winner for Claremont. Mohamed Cham. Uh, Claremont, 22 points after 17 games. It's not nothing, said Pascal Gastian, who must have been quite good at maths at school because uh, it literally isn't. <laughs> Nothing, but it is a it is a pretty handy return. But after ho ho ho, it's yo 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 again for Leon, who all, who have all the consistency of runny Christmas dinner gravy. If I want to stretch that metaphor a, a little bit further, which I will. Three defeats, three wins in seven under Laurent Blanc, which uh, which ironically is pretty much the same record. Ten points in seven games is the same record as his predecessor Peter Boss, who was uh, promptly sacked for, for for that sort of run. 24 points from 17 games for Leon, rooted in mid-table. And I think when you look at that table, uh, Anthony Lopez's comment that they're in an emergency situation rings very true indeed. They're eighth, 16 points off second place, which is automatic Champions League qualification, 12 off third, 10 off fourth. But, but 
They're even six points off Lille, who are the team just ahead of them. And it's been the same situation with Bruno Genesio, Silvino, who were, incidentally has just become the coach of, of the Albanian national team, and Peter Boss. The lack of consistency is incredible, given the quality in that, in that Lyon squad. Isn't it, Andres? It, the, question, the question really has to be, once again, it's not the manager, it's the players. I agree it's the players because the players they have should be should be well, higher up the league, certainly a bit higher up the league. Look, if we take a step back, Leon, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of Leon because, I mean, since I've, I've come to France, which is a long time, you know, they, 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 they've been superb. They, their business model was based on two things, right? It was based on a brilliant youth academy and bringing in players from Brazil, South America, but especially Brazil very successfully. Um, I mean, that youth academy for players who don't know French football so well, so well a couple of months ago, I saw a, a thing in a French magazine and it was the top 10 uh, years of birth of players that have come through the Lyon Academy. You know, it wasn't the top 10 players, the top 10 years of birth. And 1987, they had Ben Zema, Ben Arthur, Loic Remy, just players born in that year. I mean, it's a superb youth academy. Um the Brazil players come through. We don't need to talk about those. And those they've bought have been brilliant. And that's slightly gone off the rails. Um, the players that you would hope would have really pushed on, I'm thinking about our, I'm thinking about Cherky, who was a great fan favourite, who just hasn't quite done it for me. I haven't come up to that level that, we, that we've been used to. And they've invested in older players. And they've just bought Dejan Lover. And I think we're going to talk about that, as well as Lacazette and one or two others that sort of come into the end of their career. So I am a little bit worried about Leon because I, I, they seem to be going a little bit further and further behind. The players that they've lost, and they've lost some fantastic players, especially Guimaraes, have not been replaced with players of that level. And they, they don't have an automatic right to be in the top three or four. I think people like of our generation, we always think, oh, Leon, they're one of the top, top two, two, three teams in, in France. It wasn't always that way. I mean, um, they won their first title, didn't they? in that brilliant run and I think they're slipping behind and I think it's going to be a big big job for Laurent Blanc to turn that round yeah the question might be well will he be given will he be given the time you 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 slightly written off uh, Ryan Shirky who who's only 19 Andreas and actually actually was probably one of Leon's best performers uh, yesterday but Usamawa certainly has been a disappointment talk in the French press this morning that he's uh, reached an agreement to move to Roma, which uh, comes probably a, a couple of years after he had been tipped to move to Arsenal. Um, there was Boateng on the bench though, Moussa Dembele, Rent, Jeffrey Adelaide, uh, Roman Fevre, uh, who and Laurent Blanc said that he was disappointed with those who, come, who came on, who didn't provide uh, any sort of impact from the bench, which does suggest that there's something wrong with the team spirit, that the, the team isn't pulling in the same direction. But Angus, as a Liverpool fan, <laughs> the arrival, the return of Dejan Lovren, contract through to 2025, clearly this is, a, this is one, an admission that the defence isn't working, they need something else, and also... This is the end of the Jerome Boateng experiment, isn't it? Well, it's exactly what I was uh, going to come in and say. I mean, Jerome Boateng back from an injury was on the bench uh, for this game, not used. Um, but I, I, th- I think that more than the attack being the problem, I think the defence is more the problem for uh, for Leon. I, I commentated the game they had against Brest, who have not exactly been lighting the league on fire this season with their attack, and. They lost 4-2 to Lyon, but it could easily have been 4-4 and Brest had enough chances that they could have even won it. Steve Mounier hit the um, bar. He had two other chances that, frankly, he should have put away. And so they were riding their luck in that game. They've ridden their luck in other games as well that they've won, but they're just lacking all kinds of consistency. It's like one step forward, one step back. They don't really seem to know which direction they're going in. Laurent Blanc lost his first game, I think, when he came in. And so... He was given a warning of how difficult it was going to be to come through for this. And I think that um, at Leon there has been too much emphasis on the coach taking responsibility here and not enough, maybe, that it's maybe behind the scenes that there is some responsibility, but not just the coach. Other things have happened as well. And in all kinds of movements, boardroom-wise, 
um, not just with uh, John Textor coming in and taking over the um, place of man who's in charge also as well of Crystal Palace, Botafogo. It'll be interesting what he brings in, a man who said that he, he actually said, I don't know much about football, but I know the right questions to ask, um, which I thought was an interesting quote. But the defence is really their, their issue. They have no sort of solid spine. And until they sort that out, and whether or not the latest offensive acquisition, again, you say it's another man who's been around a lot. Is he really at his best anymore? Is, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, he's, 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 he was also a little bit like um, Leon, I would say. He's very much a player who goes up and down in terms of his form. So I don't think they're out of the woods yet by any means. I mean, I think you could say that about a few of their players. Uh, looking at when those put Toliso and the two we've mentioned are out of contract, they'll be 34, 33 and 36. So there's no resale value. Now, I know this, this isn't a pure business, it's a sport, but it, what's the long-term plan here? They seem to be investing a lot of money, very big wages on players, good players. But as Angus said, it, are, are they at their peak? Clearly not. So what, what's the long-term plan here? One, one thing in their defence, though, and I know I've said this before on this pod, how was that a penalty? I mean, poor Lukeba. I mean, Lukeba is a fantastic young player and he's the kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of responsibility on a young player just, again, to, to come off Angus's point, an excellent player. But it was a handball. What do we expect defenders to do? I mean, are they supposed to be coming on the pitch with their wrists like tied behind their back? Lukeba was just, you know, quite close to the ball. It was whacked at his arm. Penalty. Uh, Stephanie Frappard didn't give a penalty uh, originally, but VAR kind of um, twisted her arm and it was given. So some sympathy for Leon last night, especially for Lukeba, but um, some big questions to be asked down in Leon. Yeah, one question is, will Alexandre Lacazette be uh, fit in the near future? Came off with a what looked like a hamstring problem. Coupe de France game at home on Saturday to second division Mets. I'll be there. Uh, to to see that one could be a could be a breath of fresh air for Leon. It'll certainly be a breath of fresh air for me because it'll be freezing down there at the Group Armour Stadium. I'll be <laughs> I'll be wrapping up, but it it's it's yeah definitely more than fresh. I, I've been to Leon and commentated a Coupe de France game in the winter. I can tell you, and I was it was during the COVID times. I was running up and down the uh, up and down the the uh, how do you say the concourse, the empty concourse at half time because it was it was so cold. Um, but Leon, yeah, really struggling. Quick, quick, quick note on Clermont, though. 22 points after 17 games. Um, had 14 at the same stage last season. Maury Dior, now XG, uh, XG of goals conceded for Clermont is 31.15. Maury Dior's actually conceded 25, excluding own goals, I'm, I'm, I'm told by Opta. I mean, they're ninth, two points behind Leon. Fab- fabulous, fabulous job from Pascal Gastian, isn't it, Andreas? And it just shows that it's not just about money. I mean, if you look at their budget compared to Leon and compared to other sides, uh, it's it's minuscule. And we've said this before, this is a big year. Well, it's always a big year, but for clubs like Claremont to stay in the top flight with four teams going down, if you can get into that top 18 next year, um, there'll be a little bit more money coming in, a little bit more established in terms of that top flight. So yeah, Claremont have been superb. And uh, you have, Few people tip them to go down this year. There's no way they're going down, clearly. Elsewhere, Monaco had Alexander Golovin to thank for keeping them uh, in the race for a top three finish. A tight 1-0 win over Brest. Elias Ben-Seguir, the 17-year-old, again impressive. Wissam Ben-Yedder, though, uh, is there a player who uh, League One rivals could perhaps poach? On the bench again, didn't play. Angers. Deep in trouble. Seven points adrift of safety, as Andreas mentioned. The bottom four going down, of course, in Ligue 1 this season. They lost 2-1 at home to Lorient. Were leading, though, 1-0 with 11 minutes to go. They've got that sort of consistency that Leon might only dream about. Although it's the wrong way around. Nine defeats now for, for Angers. And uh, they look in real, real trouble. Toulouse bouncing back from uh, that 6-1 mauling by Marseille by beating Ajaxio 2-0. And Nantes undefeated in three now. Four-point gap between them and the uh, the bottom four, thanks to a 1-0 win over Auxerre. Marcus Coco keeping uh, the Canaries warm at the Stade de la Beaujoire. Strasbourg, well, they're still in trouble too. And they came back from 2-0 down, but Xavier Chevalera getting the winner for Trois late on. 40th league and goal for Habib Diallo, only the fourth Senegalese player in the 21st century to do that. Uh, Ten points to you. 
if you can name the other three. And Jonathan David, 10 goals in 17 appearances now for Lille this season, but still not enough for a win for Paolo Fonseca's side. They were held at home by Reims. The Lille fans getting a little bit um, restless, shall we say. Um, unlike Will Still, who uh, remains still unbeaten in uh, in seven Things looking good for him. Paolo Fonseca, his Lille counterpart, saying he will walk if the fans want him to. Well, with Lens winning, Marseille's trip to Montpellier took on additional importance if they didn't want second place to get away from them. Andreas saw this one. Klaus? Oh, it's come off the bar from absolutely nowhere. Well, was that a shot or a cross? Only Jonathan Klaus will know. But my word, that was close. Just put it into the danger area and Omelin just about got a touch. Turned into a great save. Tentigunda. First chance of this second half and it's another good save from Omelin. Danger not over. Tavares! What a goal scoring left back. Strikes again. Would you believe it? Early exchanges of the second half. Under did superbly well. But the composure from Tavares, we're getting used to that now. Marseille here to make it four wins in a row and they've struck early in the second half. It's Montpellier nil, Marseille one. Brilliantly done from Under. And look at that uh, attacking instinct of Tavares. And that shot was unstoppable. Into the roof of the net, off his wrong foot. A fifth goal of the season for Nuno Tavares. Under's corner comes all the way across and it's a second goal for Marseille and they're marching towards three points. Chancellor Mbemba, there was no stopping Mbemba there. His second of the season and it was a powerful header into the roof of the net. Some whistles around Le Mousson. they're not liking this but you have to say it's been a brilliant second half for Olympic de Marseille. Or was it an own goal? I think it might have come off Estev. In any case, Marseille won't care. They have the lead. It's an own goal. And they're marching to three points. Their lead is 2-0. Another look at that one. The kick out from Tavares there. Well, that was a yellow. And that was, I guess, the second yellow for that push in the chest. So two separate incidents. Well, the header's on, and well, for a second, I thought it might have floated in. Paul Lopez's his first mistake of the evening. Could have floated in, it went just wide. Teji Savanier does the job, and there's hope for Montpellier when there seemed to be none. Lopez's challenge, a yellow card, and more importantly, a penalty, and Savanier. That took some stopping. Well, Andreas, Marseille now 36 points from 17. They've only uh, had a better total once in the 21st century. When we look back at the the, 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 the moments preceding Igor Tudor's first came in charge and his name was booed and he was very, very not warmly welcomed by the Marseille faithful after taking over from uh, Jorge Sampaoli. He's done a tremendous job, hasn't he? He has, and he surprised me. Um, four wins on the bounce. They had a bit of a sticky time um, in the autumn after they got uh, eliminated from the Champions League. Um, last night, not totally convincing, Ian. I thought they, they lacked uh, a lot of pace. They lacked pace up front. I mean, Sanchez and Payet, two of the top three. Under was, I thought, was very good, but often they had to go back to go forward. There weren't really any, any runs that were going to really hurt Montpellier, but in the second half, a different story, uh, much more direct, more pace, better passing. And I saw the headline today was Dr. Nunes and Mr. Tavares for the fans of the Robert Louis Stevenson novel, which I thought was funny. I mean, you know, Tavares, what can you say? It's his fifth goal. He's the joint top scorer. And it was Ronaldo-like finish. I mean, pulled pulled it in off his left boot and a brilliant shot uh, off his right shot into the, into the net. Um, really was a good goal. And then towards the end, I mean, then it, it, it was 2-0 with an own goal. And then at the end, it was a, a strange incident because our friend Tavares was, um, 
he 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 kicked out at Arno Souquet. Uh, then he did something that I wouldn't advise anyone to do, which was push uh, Christopher Julien in the chest. It had absolutely no impact on Christopher Julien. He's a a, a big a, a big lad. Uh, he got two yellows. He he was marched off. Um, then Rudy Bouquet, the um, referee, had a look at VAR. He dis- he he wiped off the two yellow cards. So our friend. Um, Tavares had a smile on his face, and then he brought out a red card because the first incident was actually worthy of a red. I was thinking, what is the difference? Actually, I realised very soon. Of course, there is a difference because of disciplinary issues after, but it was um, very weird. But look, Marseille deserved the points. Montpellier were awful. Um, they, they really didn't offer anything at all. Their tactics basically seemed to be give Teji Savanier the ball and and hope for the best. Um, in terms of stats, Eli Wahi was 20 yesterday. I didn't realise he's actually only the second player to score 20 goals as a teenager uh, in Liga. The other one being a certain PSG number seven. But uh, Montpellier, they have got some big problems. Uh, before commentating the match, I looked at some Montpellier fan websites and they were saying, well, you know, we're not doing well, but at least we're not in a relegation scrap. Uh, my message to Montpellier is you are very much in a relegation scrap. Uh, you are not too big to go down. Look what happened last year with Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne. Uh, they've really got to turn things around very quickly. Um, not too impressed with their uh, w- with the new coach at early days, but um, they do seem to be lacking in ideas and they're far too dependent on, on Savanier. Yeah, Savanier, third, third goal in, in four games for Montpellier, but looking at the table, down in 14th now, four points only above uh, Brest to occupy 17th and that's the first of those automatic relegation places. Marseille though confirming themselves in in third place two points ahead of Rennes in fourth more about them in a moment and as as we said four points behind Lens so still within striking distance of Frank Ezra's side but uh, you did mention what what could we say about Nuno Tavares don't get sent off mate would be uh, would be a would be a good one it was it, it was it was pretty stupid and, um, you know, with Jonathan Close as well going off injured, that's going to be a big problem for Igor Tudor. Fortunately, the fixture list is is relatively clement in terms of, of, of who's coming up for Marseille in the league. And also they've got a, a Coupe de France game, which will be actually a home game, which they'll be playing in Martigues um, along the coast, actually, from Marseille against fourth division year at the, at the weekend. Of course... Could give could give them a, a, a big bounce, and uh, Angus Terod's uh, w- waving at me. Uh, I, I presume you're going to be there, there for that one, Angus. Yes, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, wondering whether or not there'll be a um, a similar thing that happened to Marseille a couple of seasons ago in a very early round in the uh, the Coupe de France. Canet Roussillon, if I remember rightly, um, uh, upset them. Although this is at the um, the Velodrome, because of course the rules have now changed, haven't they? So they can now be at home which I think is going to reduce an awful lot of the um, the upsets that we so enjoy in um, uh, French football. But uh, Marseille, yeah, they're, they're a little bit like Lyon, even though, strictly technically speaking, Marseille are now the form team in Liga because they've won their last four games um, uh, because Paris Saint-Germain, of course, lost. But they're, they're, they're still not very convincing. They're still a team that can go walkabout, I find, in um, in in games. So... Interesting to see. I don't quite know how they finished uh, second last season, never mind uh, what they're doing this this season. It was a strange turn of events on the final day. And I'm still not very convinced that Igor Tudor is an upgrade on um, Jorge Sampaoli. But do, do, do you think that Marseille are better armed than Lance to finish, to finish second to PSG, assuming that PSG do win the title, of course? As a team, no. Because the team of Lance is, for me, superior than what still seems like a group of individuals for Marseille. Um, and as we say, that again leads us back into, is it a surprise that Lance are doing so well? And I think that we really do have to shake off that, um, that mantle now. Lance are a quality team. They've been doing it now ever since they came up. And I think that Lance are now favourites to finish second. I, re- it's, I mean, I know... My predictions are really not worth taking anything into account of after my prediction <laughs> with Strasbourg. But I mean, you know, at least we're, we're through the season now and we can see that Lance are actually a really, really good side. So I, I, I would I, go I, along with Angus. I, I, I agree because there's something 
very fragile, not very fragile, a little bit fragile about Marseille. And there always has been. We know what a complicated club it is. Uh, Tavares is going to be a miss for one or two games, close more so, because they really do depend on those two, the pistons, as they call them, going up and down the left and right-hand flank. They're key to that system. And maybe it's a generational thing. I don't think of Lons as a small team. I mean, when I moved to France... Um, they were champions a couple of years later, and I used to go to Lens quite a lot. And they, I mean, we all know that stadium is packed out. It's a hotbed of French football. Lens as a town is quite small. It's only 35,000 people. But that part of the world, uh, there's lots of biggish towns in that, that part of France. They love their football. Um, you know, they play Champions League football and, and didn't do too badly either. So, you know, huge, more than potential. It's a decent-sized club, Lens. Um, if and again, it's always the if. If, if they can avoid injuries, I, I agree with Angus. I think they're slightly better placed than Marseille to to get that second spot. You're listening to the Racing Club de Lance Museum curator Andreas <laughs> Ivagora. Future career move there in in prospect, but you're absolutely right, Andreas. It's um, it's, it's it is one of the the genuine football, not, not even mad football, absolutely lunatic towns. In France, they really do love their football and that massive, that massive atmosphere and the big crowd at, at the Stade Felix Bollard really does give them a, a, an extra 12th man. It's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but in Lance's case, very, very much true. Well, there's always, always a good atmosphere at Roazon Park as well, especially when the team's winning. And uh, that's what they got this time round. Nice, the visitors to Brittany. Long trip up there. A disappointing one again for Sir Jim Ratcliffe's club. Lucien Favre, no doubt, in a little bit of trouble. Armel Tongi saw this one. Guiri with the touch. Canning Wendo with the strike. Terrier with the finish. And Wren in the lead inside five minutes. And of course, it's that man, Martin Terrier. Look at the movement from Wendo. He tried to get back on side. Instead, it went to Guiri, who touched it back for Wendo. The former PSG man saw his shot blocked, and it fell to Martin Terrier. And he doesn't miss from there. A ninth goal of the season for a man interesting. Some of the biggest clubs in Europe currently. A striker goal. It's Ross Barkley who saw Mondanda tip one onto the crossbar a second ago. Make no mistake that time. And Nice back in it thanks to Barkley's first goal in France. It's a lovely strike. Out of nowhere, really, he just drifted into that space between uh, midfield and defence. Beautiful finish. Tech, lovely first touch. It's Benjamin Bourigeau to win it, he has! With one minute left to play, it's Benjamin Bourigeau. And relief around Roazon Park. Well, there was going to be a point, wasn't there? There's only so much that Jean-Claire Todibo can do to keep out a whole side for 90 minutes. Brilliant touch from Flaviante past Dante. And Benjamin Bourigeau on his weaker left foot, taking it first time. Pass Kasper Schmeichel into the corner. A third goal of the season for Borisio. A first goal then for Ross Barkley in Ligue 1 for his, for his new club. Still no Aaron Ramsey. Let's put Nice to, to one side perhaps uh, for a second and talk about the winners. Martin Terrier with the early goal, but huge blow. It's got to be a huge blow. He was, he was stretched off in the first half. Looks like being a, a, a cruciate ligament injury, which would end his season that's that's a massive blow, isn't it, Andreas? Oh, it is because he, he's he, he's just been fantastic, and uh, he, he was in the news just before the World Cup when uh, Florian Maurice, who's the sporting director at Rennes, um, used some some rather choice words to talk about um, how uh, he wasn't on the plane to Qatar, basically saying you have to beep out of France to get a chance of playing for France these days, saying it's a, a big disadvantage to play at a club like Rennes. And if he was at any other club, he'd, he'd be playing for the national team. Brilliant play. We've talked about it before. Um, a very big loss. I, I, Rennes, I'm not sure if they quite have that consistency. If they can stay where they are, 
I think they'll be pretty happy with that season. And just to, it, of course, there was a lot of, of talk about the Gaetan Laborde going back. I mean, Guiri up against his, his former club. Perhaps the, the player that Nice should have got, though, uh, other than Terrier, is Benjamin Bourigio. Three goals in his last four. And Angus, one of the, for me, one of the most underrated Ligue 1 performers of probably the last three to four seasons. Yeah, even now, still. I mean, um, you know, he you, you could probably argue that he was in the, uh, the, the, the race or maybe should have been for a World Cup place. Such is his influence, particularly in setting up goals. Nobody set up more goals than him last season. And he started, he took a little while actually to get going at the beginning of the campaign, but he's back up to speed again now. And he's just a, a player. He just never stops moving. He's up and down, up and down all the time. And you, you would say that that is usually a trait of a player who will bring lots of endeavor, industry, things like that. But he also brings creativity as well, as we can see from all of the goals that he sets up. And he also contributes goals himself. So, yeah, I th- I, I'm a huge fan of, of Benjamin Borgia. I saw them a lot last season. So uh, maybe I've been colored by that. But I think that I agree with you. I think he's even now still rather underrated. And I'm, I'm also surprised as well that other teams haven't come in, those with more money to try and pick him up because of his productivity. I think, though, for Terrier, I think that um, their Champions League um, chances have now gone if Terrier is not there for the, next, for the rest of the season because he's so important in making that, um, that attack work. And it's going to put huge now, I think, responsibility, one on Jeremy Doku, who came on for him in that game because he's likely to get more starts now because of this. And also, we're going to really see how um, Bruno Genesio can react to losing what is effectively his biggest weapon on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, he's got Kamal Dean Sulemana as well, uh, the, the young and, and hugely talented Desiree Dewey uh, as well. The sort of riches, really, that, that are kind of at Lucien Favre's disposal. But while Rennes are now fourth, reclaiming, uh, reclaiming that place um, this, 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 time, this, this time, I was going to say this weekend. I keep on saying this weekend, but it's, it, it wasn't this weekend, was it? It was Sunday and Monday. So Rennes in, in fourth on 34 mm. points, two points behind Marseille, one point clear of, of Monaco. But Nice, Nice, 11th, 21 points. So that's 15 off the top three. That's 19 off the top two. I think their Champions League uh, chances very, very much uh, out the window, probably already quite some time ago. There's been big investment by Sir Jim Ratcliffe and, and the, Ineos, the Ineos group. Uh, interestingly to see Jean-Claude Blanc is going to leave Paris Saint-Germain and go to Ineos, which, which at least for me, can only be a good move, a good move for them, given his, his track record of, of getting success at UV and, and, and at PSG. But surely now, surely, Andreas, a question over Lucien Favre and, and his future. Well, there is, but I think it goes back to our earlier discussion. What, what, where does the fault lie? I, I just do not understand Nice's plan it's mid-season. Jean-Claude Blanc, yeah, I mean, what he doesn't know about football isn't probably worth knowing. They've brought him in. We'll talk about him in a second. They've also brought in Florian Gisolfi, who was running things at Lens. They basically raided Lens' back, backroom staff in mid-season. Jean-Claude Blanc, he's, he's coming in to run what they call Ineos Sports, which is football, sailing, rugby, and a couple of other sports. I mean, I know you, you were brought up close to the sea, weren't you, Ian, up there in the northeast? I mean, I'm, sailing and football? I mean, what's the link? Obviously, they're already big in cycling. We've talked about this before on the podcast with with um, the, the team that was so successful with British cycling. Maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to get my head around this, but what 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 is the plan? They brought in players that don't seem to fit together. The recruitment's been poor. I mean, Aaron Ramsey, I'm a big fan of Ramsey, but come on, he, he should have been in training two weeks ago and he's just turned up. That's, that's just not on. Aaron, if you're listening, come on, pull your socks up. Um, it, I suppose if there's one man who can fix it, it's Jean-Claude Blanc, but it, it's a very different kind of job. At PSG, he was a football man. He had big resources, bringing in big players. A lot of his job was dealing with local government, uh, national government indeed, international governments as well. And I, I just struggle to see where Nice is going. On the positive side, you know, there's been talk about the ownership um, and, you know, when clubs are available in England, uh, there's been some question mark over Nice's ownership. You know, maybe this means that there's 
a real commitment now to what's going on in Nice. But to do this in mid-season as well, it, it just seems very, very strange. And, and I, I can't quite get my head around this this uh, project, to use the horrible word, down at Nice. Did we really think, though, that Lucien Favre was going to be a long-term proposition, though, at Nice? Because when he came in, it did strike me. It felt like it was sort of like a stopgap until they managed to deal with losing Christophe Galtier. And I think that we can, if anything, what we can see now is the influence that Christophe Galtier, even more, every time he leaves a club, he leaves them in a really good position, and then suddenly they go backwards. And it just goes to show that, you know, when you've got the right man in charge, you, you've got to try and keep him. And then they would have done had it not been for the money of Paris Saint-Germain. And so an awful lot of it, I think, comes from the fact that they've just lost that tactical nous that um, Gautier brings. I mean, we all like to think when a new manager comes in, it's going to be great, things are going to be good, things like that. But you can't get away from the fact that there are world-class players and there are world-class managers. And you can't, it's not sort of like a plug and play kind of thing. You've got to fit in with what they, they, the club is about. They thought maybe they could do that because Lucien Favre was there before and he didn't make a total mess. But it's just not, it's just not worked. And um, it almost feels like they're sort of like root and branch in the middle of the season to try and get back to where they were before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And when um, the backroom staff left, the Lons backroom staff left, um, Arno Priya gave an interesting interview. Um, he, he he runs Lons. He's their general manager. No love lost between those two teams. They they were furious that this happened uh, in 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 mid season. But he said a football team. It, it's like an ocean tanker. You know, it, it it takes a bit of time to move. And maybe Nice are trying to move things too quickly. They're thinking, okay, let's just get the top man at PSG. Bring him in. Uh, who's second? Longs. Let's get their backroom staff, bring them in. You know, it, it's all a bit cookie cutter. It, it, is, is there a real strategy behind it? And I mean, Lucien Favre, I mean, he's not the oldest. What is he, 62, 63? I mean, he's still got plenty of years ahead of him. Did brilliantly in his first stint, especially in that first season. But um, I, I kind of agree with Angus. I, 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 the, where are they going? They really need to take stock and maybe they're trying to do too much with this multi-sport model. I know it does work in some other countries, but I think they've got to be concentrating on getting that football team right and getting players who are really motivated and bringing some young players through. But let's see between now. It's still early in the season, plenty of time to go, but it's not looking too good for Nice. You're listening to Andreas Sivagor and Angus Tarod on Le Bourgeois, the official League 1 podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at League 1 World or at League 1 underscore ENG. You can email us your thoughts and comments league1podcast at gmail.com and catch all the video highlights and match reports from every single game, every single round on the official website league1.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow and recommend us, please, on all your various podcast platforms. Now, the presents are being dished out by Santa Claus. Of course, there's presents dished out pretty much every month by us too, and that's via Deja Who. So coming up, the first one of 2023. Get listening. This one is tricky. Born in a famous year for French football, I have bookended my career with domestic cup wins in my homeland, and I'm still playing. I spent eight years in France, embarking on an incredible journey from near relegation to the French third division and climbing all the way to becoming Ligue 1 champion with some memorable European nights thrown in. Best known for trying to stop goals, my free kick talents have also grabbed headlines. Who am I and where did I score my most famous free kick in France? If you think you know who it is, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Gentlemen, uh, blank looks all round, I assume. Famous year, what does that mean, Ian? Not 98, because obviously year. be too young. So. A famous year. Isn't every what year does that famous mean, a famous year in French football? Company <laughs> trying to confuse us even more. But presumably it's not 1984, because uh, when they won the European Championship, well, exactly. that, so that would make Somewhere the... between 1984 and 1998, that helps. Mm. <laughs> All right. Thanks, I, gents. I'll, I'll have to think about it. <laughs> Some sensible guesses there from our panel. Good luck, everyone. You're going to need it. Well, there's no point us guessing, is there? Otherwise, if we, if we stumble across the right answer, then that's the end of the Deja Who for this week. I think stumble was the correct and very, very appropriate verb in that sentence, Angus. <laughs> Thank you. Now, we've just, we've just completed, gentlemen, the first 
Boxing Day. And I have to say, it's good that Andy Scott is not on this because he gets he gets very irate about Boxing Day just being the 26th of December, which it is in the UK, of course. But this season, the French League going big, trying to make this sort of Boxing Day style, uh, lots of football matches over the Christmas period. Normally, of course, there'd be a little bit of a winter break, uh, usually a league and game before Christmas and then uh, the year kicking off with Coupe de France matches. They've managed to sandwich in a couple of games, of course, helped as well by the scheduling of the World Cup. But Le Boxing Day, as they were, there were there were actually four of them, um, in fact, because we had two, uh, match, two match days spread over, over four days. Angus, Andreas, how do you feel it went? Um, I think it depends on which club you look at, to be quite honest with you. It was a, a bit of a, a mixed bag. I mean, uh, the likes of Clermont, uh, Brest, Montpellier and Lens they all enjoyed their biggest home um, attendances of the season in one of the two boxing days. The celebration week has, <laughs> makes it sound like they're all <laughs> going to burst into song at some point, but um, uh, they all did well. By contrast, Nantes had their lowest um, attendance of uh, the season at the uh, Bourgeois. And uh, those that didn't um, have um, their highest was usually because they were either playing um, Paris Saint-Germain, which you can understand why that would be sold out, or it was uh, a local derby um, as well, which um, which uh, went above that, um, with the exception of Lons, funnily enough. The, uh, so there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I rather enjoyed it, I must admit, but then maybe that's my Anglo-Saxon roots coming out. Um, the one thing I, 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 I have lost track of, though, over the last couple of weeks, or days of the week, um, it's been very busy, and um, it has been... Uh, Pretty exhausting, but if I was at the ground watching a game, I think I would have loved it because when I lived in England, I always loved going to games on Boxing Day. It was somehow it seemed to bookend Christmas. I've no idea why, but um, again, it's what, it's what you're used to, isn't it? But I know that um, they were very angry about it in lots of places. The bad Gones um, were tickly in Leon, but also in Strasbourg as well. Um, they still had a full house um, and they've had a full house a lot, actually, con- uh, particularly considering they've not been doing very well. Um, but the um, the ultras there went on strike. And so, um, as uh, Jonathan Johnson will be able to to tell you, because he was there, um, they refused to sing. So it was a very, very odd atmosphere indeed. So I don't think that the French, as Andy said last week, they're not used to this kind of culture. But I think that it added um, to to the season. I thought that um, there was some really good football and it was um, it was good. I, I don't think it was a, a bad idea. I, I agree with, with Angus, but... Uh... Uh, Laurent Blanc didn't like it at all. Uh, very outspoken. Um, the match last night, Montpellier, Marseille, there was a huge banner saying, Le foot, c'est pour le weekend. Football should only be the weekend. And I think some French fans are a little bit um, maybe conservative. I think it maybe can be looked at a bit. Um, I think one of the key things is that Boxing Day is not a public holiday in France. So... I think it is a bit hard to ask fans to turn up at, say, three o'clock, five o'clock on a work day. Completely different in England because it's not just a public holiday. It's a really big one. Obviously, we're all, we're all English. We know that Boxing Day was a really, really big public holiday. And it's a good chance to, to watch some football. And, and Angus hits on another good point about local derbies. Because when, when I was growing up and going to football, I always associate Boxing Day with local derbies. I don't know. I, I think the, the, the fixture list was planned for that. Um, and if you look at last night, um, Marseille going to Montpellier, some people build it as a, you know, South Coast derby. I looked at the distance from Montpellier to Marseille is 170 kilometers. Last night, Liverpool played at Brentford. That's 190 kilometers. There's not that much difference. No one would call Brentford against Liverpool any kind of derby, you know. So France is a much bigger country. That's what I'm getting at. Transport is much harder. Um, I don't think we'll be seeing the Le Boxing Days again because I think this was a one-off for the World Cup. But I do think that French football and all, all leagues can innovate in in the calendar. And why not play on on different days, different times, if it's going to grow the league, if it's going to bring more people in into the stadia. Yeah, I do. I do think that it was a, a little bit of an error. The schools only went back uh, went back today, but it wasn't actually a bank holiday yesterday, which uh, which was a bit of a shame, and of course made that afternoon kickoff at Strasbourg slightly controversial. Quite a lot, as you said, of, of pushback from ultras. But I think the um, the players' union president Philippe Pia had something wrong when he said the players need time to rest. 
most just of them six weeks have just off been watching the World Cup at home. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I need time. I was. I, I only came back from Qatar about two weeks ago. I need time to rest, Philippe. Not to, <laughs> not the players who've been watching watching the World Cup from their sofa. But well, uh, the last time I saw I, you, I you, you were you were you were painting the town red in in Doha. So yeah, you need some rest after that, don't you? Painting the town. Well, it, less said about that, the better. That was expensive. Painting night out. the town red. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> well, it was probably we'll, painting just the leave. town red and white. Really, you know, that would be more his kind oh, of comedy. Oh, nice. Nice. I just, I just, just to come back to that, I was in the northeast uh, of, of England last week, and you mentioned about sailing, Andreas. <laughs> I can tell you, if you want, if you want to do any sailing, you better do it in Nice and not in Sunderland, because uh, plenty of wind. Plenty of wind. I'll, I, I, I can say that. Well, that just about wraps things up uh, for this week on Le Beau Jeu. The uh, Ligue 1 is back next. week. Wednesday, a week on Wednesday. Uh, so for those people who say footballs for the uh, for the weekend, there's another one for you. Um, there'll be a, there'll be a Le Bourgeois a week on Thursday. Uh, that, if uh, memory serves, will be the twelfth uh, of January. But before that, there is Coupe de France action, and we are going to take a little bon voyage to see who we would like to see. In those cup competition, in that in this cup fixtures this weekend. Headline clashes then. Paris Saint Germain are up against Chateau Roux, who are now in the third tier of the uh, French football pyramid, and in the fifth tier is Linas Montaleri, who will host. Lens, Marseille are at home to Hier, although they won't be playing in the Velodrome. That will be in Martigues. Monaco will be at the Stade Louis II. I have to say, after being in Sunderland, I quite fancy a trip to the Stade Louis II. <laughs> but in fact, I will be uh, I will be going to Lyon, as uh, previously mentioned, stocking up on uh, on my on my thermals and and hot drinks as they take on Mets, who are in League Two. Angus, Andreas, some uh, tasty clashes coming up. Where do you fancy a trip to? Well, I had to look up uh, Linas just before this podcast because I, I didn't have a clue where it was. It turns out it's only about 25 minutes from where I live. It's a, it's a village of 6,000 people. Um, so it's, it's got to be there. Uh, yeah, Linas. They're also called the Soil. They're, they're blood and golds, aren't they? So there's two blood and golds teams. Uh, I, I'll go for Linas, wherever that is. <laughs> well, I... I <laughs> Great geographical knowledge of the local area there, Andreas. Uh, <laughs> Angus, you're, 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 obviously go, you're obviously going to Marseille, although you did mention the game would be at the Velodrome. I hope you go to Martigues instead. Okay, I think I'll, I'll think about it, all right? I think I'd much rather do that, actually, as well. So uh, that's not a problem. I also fancy a trip to Dunkirk as well, because I don't think you can get in enough north coast ports in winter. So uh, Dunkirk against Auxerre <laughs> will, be a, will be a great one to go and watch, I think, as well. Although I think if you really want to put yourself through the uh, the ringer, then how about the uh, bottom of the table bloodbath between, uh, was it Strasbourg and Angers? That's, uh, that should be, a, should be a good one. At least, though, hopefully you can uh, guarantee a full house at, uh, over there on the eastern side of France. Well, Ang- Angus, you, you you'll be so wet, uh, you'll be soaked through after after being in Dunkirk for about ninety minutes. So you will literally have to put yourself through the ringer just to be able to go anywhere and, and just not just not drip everywhere for about four weeks. Because uh, I was up there on the way back from from England. Honestly, the weather. Just it's the only please. reason we go there, really, isn't it? It's easy to to go backwards and forwards <laughs> across the English Channel, really. If, if if somebody can please send me to the south of France as often as possible, uh, that would be I, I'd be delighted. Anyway, this is the, the uh, official Ligan weather channel, um, <laughs> which seems to have taken over from the official Ligan podcast. Uh, we will be back as advertised a week on Thursday with all the roundup of uh, round eighteen in Ligan Uber Eats. But until then, that's all from me, Ian Holyman, and. Uh, much mercies to uh, my panellists, Angus Rhodes and Andreas Evagora. We'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity. Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. Adolberg. 
again. This time maybe Messi's not.